just got back from sidewalk counseling outside Planned Parenthood and now we're debriefing. Join us. We are created equal and we're inviting you to debrief with us. Hey y'all, I'm Lexi. Hey everyone, it's Seth again and today's conversation is going to be a heavy one because we're talking about talking to a father whose baby is being killed and his response to it and it's pretty shocking. Yes, and joining us today we have Gap no, wait, I was going to say you're a gap year intern, but you're not. She's not a gap intern. You're not a gap year intern. Sorry, She was Maggie. with gap before, if that's confusing. True, true. <laughs> she was with CBR, but now she's with Created Equal. Thank you so much, Maggie, for coming on today. Thanks. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, so Maggie just started with us like three weeks ago. Yep, three yeah. and a half. Three and a half weeks <laughs> ago. So she's new, but um, she has already gone on like a lot of our trips, so... And as you said, Maggie's not new to the movement. Maggie comes from, she has been with the Center for Bioethical Reform, uh, a friend of Create Equal, and also a uh, long time where Mark was with before Create Equal. Mm-hmm. So we, we know CBR and love CBR, so we're glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and so thankfully, she wasn't new because right. um, she had to experience a very heavy situation um, when we were out sidewalk counseling at Planned Parenthood here in Columbus. So she was prepared. You were prepared for it, kind of. So pretty much as much as one can be. (laughs) Yes, but for sure, you can't really always be prepared for everything that we are going to face and talk about today. But um, Maggie, kind of give us an overview. What was it like out in Planned Parenthood? Um, Maybe describe for everybody as well what we do outside Planned Parenthood. If they don't know what sidewalk counseling is, Mm -hmm. um, give them a brief description of that. Yeah, so we go to Planned Parenthood to try to persuade the moms to not kill their child through abortion. And it's called sidewalk counseling, and we we share the gospel with them. We tell them about the resources that there are, and um, like that their parents willing to adopt their child. So yesterday was it yesterday? Yeah, when we went out. Um, thankfully, it was mostly empty there. They didn't have many women going, um, but there's this one guy there who his girlfriend was the only one to have a surgical abortion yesterday. And um, he actually talked to Titus for like an hour before he came and talked to me later for like half an hour. Um, and he was just so apathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll get into it more. Most uh, We have some video footage of that as well to play for y'all. But what was his, or actually, you know, before we get into that, what was it like being outside Planned Parenthood? Most people listening to this have probably never stepped foot outside of an abortion facility. Um what is your feelings? How do you prepare to go into that? Um, and what are you really experiencing in the moment? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of times I feel like I'm not really as um, in the zone <laughs> as I think I should be. I, a lot of times I try to be praying on my drive there. Sometimes I'm emotional while I'm out there and like, I feel like I should be, but then maybe like it's better to, <laughs> to not be yeah. emotional while you're talking to people. But yesterday when we were out there, I, I don't think I was really emotional at first. was like talking to the, I tried, I was uh, quiet at first, but mm-hmm. I did talk to the um, the escorts who were outside um, who tried to keep the women from talking to us. Um, and then this l- guy came later. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to be super shy when I went to abortion clinics and like wouldn't talk much, but I've gotten better at it. Yeah, I think there's a mixture of emotions that everybody feels when they're out there. It's not like one solid um, emotion the entire time, Um, and it can really change depending on what's going on around you. So that's completely understandable. Yeah, that's true. And I I remember um, it was actually years of doing 
campus outreach like we do before I started doing sidewalk counseling. And I was really nervous because it just feels so much weightier, right? Mm-hmm. When you're on a college mm-hmm. campus, you're talking about, in theory, that there are pregnant people. I didn't say actually, accidentally. <laughs> I mean, there are women who are pregnant walking by. That's oh, in my head no. now. Oh, uh, I don't no. know why. But there, there are people on campus who either are considering abortion or maybe going too soon. So really, babies are genuinely saved that way. However, generally, it's usually the hypothetical. What do you think about abortion, right or wrong, right? But when you're on uh, outside uh, an abortion facility, they're actually killing babies right then. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type of scenario. So there's a different weight to it. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, how it was, was there were three cars parked out front, and Maggie was talking to those women who were walking inside, um, and then those exiting, getting into back into their cars. And Titus was around in the alleyway, so he was talking to people as they would turn in Inside, trying to stop them and that's where he started talking to this man his name's Christian um and he was we didn't know at the time I was watching this happening um but he was a father of um a baby that was being killed right inside and so Titus was talking to him for at least an hour um and then he pulled around the alleyway and went back in another entrance where he started talking to maggie um for another 30 minutes or so um and maggie kind of let us know what was his obviously he was there the baby was being killed at that moment when you were talking to him what was his reasoning behind getting an abortion um and being at planned parenthood that day simply that they did not want a baby and he even went so far as to say that if they chose to keep the baby, that he would have a good home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they just didn't want a baby. Yeah, and I think we, we should just play the clip right now, I think. Jump right into yeah. it. I was like, no, God has provided me and has always provided me and will always continue to provide me with health, with food, with shelter, with finance. I'm not worried about that. You know, so if we would have brought the baby to the world, he would have lived, lived in a nice roof. He would have he been okay. That's not the problem. So I'm not, a, I, I was, I'm not in fear of that. It's just I don't personally want a baby. That's it. So you killed your... So I murdered him, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Uh, but I know God's not going to send me to hell because of that. Okay. Um, heavy, but also some traffic noise. So Maggie, please just summarize. For anyone who maybe was having a hard time following that, what just happened? He was explaining that if they had chosen to keep their baby, that baby would have been well cared for because mm-hmm. he and his girlfriend apparently are fine, as he said. Financially. God provides for them. Yes, financially with the roof over their heads. But he, they chose to have an abortion because they just don't want a baby right now. And he doesn't think that God would send him to hell for that. Yeah. And he even went so far as to say that he's murdering his child. So. Yeah. Um, he wasn't trying to um, convince himself that it wasn't murder. He was very open and honest. Mm-hmm. And you could even hear, I don't know if you can hear his smile. Like, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean by that? Yeah. Like hear you and tell when people are smiling. Yeah, he was like smiling and he kind laughed. of laughing mm-hmm. after, after it. I don't know if that was him just trying to, you know, cope with what he was just saying, like how ridiculous he sounds. But um, this guy was very serious about what he was saying and he understood in a big way, maybe more than some, um, what he was actually doing and what was taking place. You know, with us outside Planned Parenthood, we bring abortion victim images, um, signs um, that have children who have been killed through abortion. So he had been see- 
he had seen that. Um, he had been given literature that had those images on there. Um, you know, Titus was talking to him for a really long time. Maggie was talking to him. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and yet he still said these things. So Maggie, you did a great job at talking to him, but how do you speak to somebody who is acting this way? Like, where do you go in that conversation? <laughs> um, well, of course, the only place to go is the gospel, which we talked about a lot. We yeah. talked about sin, as we already heard. Um, it was really weird because it was like a puzzle where the pieces are just not fitting together because mm. he was admitting that it's wrong and yet he was still not feeling any sorrow over it. Mm -hmm. That was really strange. I was kind of just at a loss of what to say. Yeah. And it just made it so much more evident to me, which of the truth that I already know, but it's only the Holy Spirit that can change a person's heart. Yeah. Well, let's jump into your head though. So, I mean, not just what you were saying, we heard a little bit in the clip that what you said, but um, what's going on in your mind and your heart at this time is you're, you know, you said before you used to be a little more timid outside the abortion facilities. Now you're more confident out there, but also now you're talking to a father who admits it's his child, admits he has no felt need for abortion. There's never a true, genuine need for abortion, mm -hmm. but sometimes people perceive a need for abortion. He has no perceived need for abortion. He just doesn't want the baby. So what's going through your heart and mind as you're listening to, the, to Christian tell this to you? Uh, I was really thinking about what a danger—so well, there's some people have these dangerous mindsets, like we might meet on college campuses, and— that could lead to really bad things. But this guy, it didn't just, it wasn't just a dangerous mindset, like it theoretically could be mm -hmm. really dangerous. Mm -hmm. It actually ended up in the, the murder of his own mm -hmm. child. Yeah. And I think he even said, um, you told me that before that clip, he said that he asked God for forgiveness the day before he had the abortion. Yeah. So he knew what he was, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the gravity of it. Right. And so I, th I think that thinking through it, we don't know what's on his heart, his mind. I mean, we'll get to it in a moment. Some of the things he said to you so later, um, you can share those with us. But thinking about how he got here, things don't happen in a vacuum, right? So you mm -hmm. don't have six million Jews murdered in the Holocaust just by happenstance. Hitler had his anti-Semitism. He had written Mein Kampf. Everyone should have known what his, his goals were, right? Mm -hmm. He was laying the groundwork long before. So it brings us to the today, Christian saying, yeah, it's my baby. Yeah, I have the means to take care of my baby, but I just don't want the mm -hmm. baby. I'm going to I'm gonna murder, his word, murder the baby. Mm -hmm. Something brought him there. And think about our society, how we see children. Mm -hmm. If there was that viral video, what, a month ago of the girl who took her newborn baby, tossed mm -hmm. him or her into the garbage dumpster. Thankfully, the child was rescued. But this is a culture in which children are seen as trash. So, and they're also seen as good if you want them, maybe to as an extension of your ego or to satisfy your desire to be a parent. But they're not. They don't. They're not worthy of their own. Like we always say, people say, "My body, my choice." No obligations toward my children. We don't look at children as saying, "Well, it's right that you limit your parents' autonomy. Your parents should have obligations toward you." We see children as disposable, and this, I think, is the the fruit of that worldview, what you're seeing, Maggie, that this young man, Christian, just doesn't want the baby. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You just dispose of them. People are disposable, mm -hmm. at least the preborn ones, right? Yeah. And you could even tell that he not only does this to his preborn child, but he wasn't being loving towards his girlfriend um, in any way. He wasn't being loving by paying for this okay, What do you mean by that, Lexi? Um, so after... 
Uh, Maggie had talked to him for a while. I walked over to him and we all three were talking at that point. And um, she walked out, his girlfriend walked out from having the abortion. The nurse opened the front doors of Planned Parenthood. Um, she was stumbling out to her car. Nobody was helping her at this wow. point. Nobody was helping her to her car. Um, there were two escorts hired by Planned Parenthood to be escorting the women in and out. And they weren't helping her. So she was lip- limping towards her car opened the passenger side, sat down in her, um, sat down in their car and he just continued to talk to her. He barely glanced at her as she was walking out and turned back and was talking to us. And then about like five minutes later, an escort comes over to him and is like, Hey, you know, she's in her, she's in the car now. And he's like, yeah, she can wait. And completely just was like, whatever. He was emotionless. I would say, do you know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like he was laughing and stuff. Yeah. He was laughing, but he was emotionless. Um, I think that's, I, I, I don't know, Christian. I'm just watching the video clip that Maggie shared with us. So you two saw him interact with him more, but neither of us know his heart, right? We don't know exactly what's going on there, but just watching him, I really do feel like this is the, I hate to say feel like, I'm sorry. I do think this is <laughs> an outworking of the true toxic masculinity today, which is not what you hear about on social media and on TV. Toxic masculinity is masculinity is when men do not serve in the role that God created us to be. Mm-hmm. When you have a, you've created a child and you want to dispose of the child so you kill a child and then you, you don't try to protect the child or the mother by bringing her to Planned Parenthood, that is a man failing to fulfill his duty toward this girl he has a relationship with and the baby he created. That is the true toxic masculinity in my mind where men are hurting women by helping them kill children and hurting children by killing, murdering, his mm-hmm. word, murdering children. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really um, looked over by obviously the pro-choice side you know, it could even be bleed over into the pro-life side of people just not really grasping the fact that a lot of people just want to have abortions because they just don't want to have a child. I yeah. That's so many of the people going to Planned Parenthood. They just don't want to have a baby. Um, and it was very evident in him and he was very straightforward about what he was believing in his heart um, about his child and he was very honest about it. But I even pushed him to when we were talking about well, you were doing what you wanted to do and your consequences led you to have this child. And he's like, yeah, I know I did that and I wanted to do that and I want to kill this baby. So Mm. it's just all so crazy to grasp. But something that was interesting was how he said at the end, but God's not going to send me to hell for this. And so as we were sharing the gospel, Maggie, um, as you were talking to him about that, what do you think his view was? Um, on the gospel, on Jesus, on him being his savior. He seemed to think, well, he did say that God's love is infinite. Um, so he had this idea that Jesus's sacrifice for us just covered all of our sins and it doesn't matter like how we live mm. after we, if we believe that. Mm. So he, he didn't understand what true repentance means, even though I explained it so many times, he didn't agree. It means you stop doing it. You turn away from sin. Mm-hmm. Here's where I think it gets, gets thorny, right? So um, he was saying some theological truths out, uh, that are important to know. So the reason Christ's atonement um, is sufficient is Christ is truly God and truly man. So as a man, he can represent humanity before the Father. And as being truly God, it's not just like, it's not as if Maggie gave her life for Lexi one for one. Christ is infinite, so mm-hmm. his sacrifice can it cover infinite sins. These are true things he's saying, but what you said, Maggie, is super important. And that is that um, 
God has said that those who have faith in Christ will be rescued. Those who have faith in Christ are those who Jesus said to love me. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It does not mean you work out your righteousness in the sense of making yourself holy so God sees you as holy and you save yourself. Not at all, but having genuine faith brings a few things, and that is godly sorrow for your sins and God, uh, repent, true repentance before the Father. And then, as James writes in his epistle in the New Testament, your works prove your uh, faith. They don't They don't save you, but they prove you really are who you say you are. You really are a follower of God. We can't judge Christian. That's God's job. But how you live your life does demonstrate whether you truly have faith in Christ or not. Yeah. And so I think in the conversation, you handled it really well, Maggie, and the fact that you were continuing to share the gospel with him, but you were also asking him questions um, to kind of understand where he was coming from and make sure that he understood what you were saying because that's really important. You know, a lot of times if we're everybody listening, I'm sure if you've shared the gospel with somebody before, you don't, you may not know if they really understood what you just said, Right. <laughs> you know, because they, they're those Christian words. People don't always know what they mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this guy, so Christian, he, um, said that he read the Bible every single day. Mm. Um, he said that he prayed four times a day. Wow. Um, and even whenever he was talking to Titus, Titus told me afterwards that he was like, he told Titus, oh, my mom says these things to me all the time. Like whatever Titus was telling him about, about God. And, um, and so he had some sort of basis and he was getting his, this idea of cheap grace of, you know, God will forgive me no matter what I do. And so I'm going to continue in my sin because I have grace covering me. Um, he got that from somewhere. I don't know exactly where he picked that up, um, but he was holding on to that with all he had in him um, and didn't really care about listening to anything else. Um, I think it's important to note that he's saying these things while the baby's being killed. It's not afterward. Yeah. It's while the baby's being killed. He's saying these things like I- I'm murdering. It. It's no big deal. God won't care. Right. Yeah. That's different than someone saying I did this. I'm grieved about it. Please forgive me. Clearly, God has been clear in his word that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Right. Mm-hmm. First John one. There's so many things we can reference here that this these are truths. He's saying that you can be forgiven. When we don't, we can't judge his heart. But the concern here is someone saying, "I'm doing sin right now. And it's not a big deal." Mm-hmm. That cheap grace idea. Yeah, it's it's a very big difference when you're talking to somebody um, who is remorseful and sorrowful over what they've done that was wrong. Um, Christian, in this stance, uh, instance, was not sorrowful whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. But that kind of, I don't know. It's very hard because his girlfriend came out and she was like having a very hard time obviously she was probably just sedated with drugs and things like that um but it looked like she was like crying or like tearing up and I'm sure she was because she was in a lot of pain I bet but um he was like I'll be fine she'll be fine whenever he was leaving like he did not care I was like trying to give him some information to help her because I was like even if you're not going to care even if um you're not going to want to heal from this at least let her like at least help her unfortunately I don't think he cared enough about her to even you know try to assist her in that but that kind of brings us to everybody who goes outside while counseling I hope like all of our listeners can listen to this circumstance and this is probably like one of the hardest um, circumstances out Planned Parenthood you're going to find but we still managed to be able to talk to him and um, yes that child was killed and it's so hard watching women enter um, with the baby and exit with their child left in a disposable waste container in Planned Parenthood. But um, everybody can do it, right? Like Maggie, you know, you, you've sidewalk counseled before and you can still do it. So 
And I think that's maybe kind of coming around full circle now. So Maggie, as people are listening to this and maybe some are shocked at what they're hearing about your conversation with Christian, maybe others are not because they've encountered it. But what do you recommend someone who is outside Planned Parenthood talking to someone? They meet someone who says, yeah, it's a baby. I'm just, I'm going to kill my baby. Not a big deal. What do you recommend? I, I know you shared a bit about what you told Christian, but what is maybe your kind of short Here's my input on how you should handle that situation for others who talk to someone like Christian. What would you recommend they do in that conversation? I guess always go back to the word. And I, I didn't do a great job of that. Um, there, uh, Throughout the whole conversation, there were so many like ideas from scripture running through my head, but like no solid passages that came up. I so wish I had remembered a verse in Hebrews 10 that talks about if you have knowledge of the truth um, but go on sinning, there no longer remains a sacrifice for you. Um, but anyway, yeah, I guess, and keeping calm mm-hmm. um, and and sh- still continuing to show con- compassion and care for that person who you're talking to. And you did a great job of that, Maggie. You stayed very calm. Even you could hear in the clip, you were very, very calm and you were being not like argumentative towards him. But you were pushing back in the questions you were asking him. So I applaud you and doing that um, greatly because, wow, how frustrating um, is that conversation? But yeah, and on, I mean, the, the point of sitting, uh, I think we're on the same page here, right? That we, if you read just First John, John's first letter in the New Testament, chapter one says that basically all are, we, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, the truth's not in yeah. you. Later we read that no one born of God goes on sinning. So again, it's this idea. We know that those who are redeemed, they still commit sin. So it's but there's there's not this ongoing unrepentant sin. That's the problem. And so right. holding that tension um, it can be challenging. Um, but I think Maggie, your your point is well made that showing people when you meet someone who's like this, trying to minister to them in a deeper level. We obviously we do want to save the baby, but for Christian, it was this misunderstanding of what true forgiveness is. It's a deep thing we have to clarify with him, and that's very hard. I think also one more point to make before we wrap this up is that when you listen to these stories, there are a couple of things we can do incorrectly. Uh, one is we talked about just recently on the podcast about secondary victims with Jennifer's story, The March for Life, where she was truly a victim, secondary victim of the abortion, where she was forced into it. So some people generalize too much and say, well, every person who has an abortion, they're a victim. Yeah. Others hear stories like Christians think, well, okay, every person has abortion just knows the baby is happily killing the baby. So we don't want to overgeneralize any of these. Every story is unique. But what matters is that we meet that person where they are ministering the way they need it. And that's what we learned with Christian. Hopefully people here, everyone listening will know that too, that when you go out there, don't generalize, listen to people, find out what's going on and minister where they are, what they need. Yeah, no, it's really good. Asking questions on campuses and outside Planned Parenthood is how we need to um, understand those people. And especially like, so I'm sure whenever Titus was first talking to him and he had a chance to go rescue that um, rescue that baby out, um, I'm sure he was trying to do all he could to get him motivated to go inside. By the time Maggie mm-hmm. was talking to him, the baby was already probably um, killed at that yeah. point. As because he drove in right before we started talking, he said, it's done. Yeah. So she was she was in the recovery room by whenever you were talking to her. So I don't know. It's like different tactics, you know, different times. And you just try to do the best you can do. Um, and you did. You did a very good job. Well, thank you, um, Maggie, for sharing that story. It's very heavy. And I think these are moments that we I've told our interns before. You're not an intern, but when we have intern classes, these hard days happen. Anyone listening to you may have a day like this where you come back from a outreach um, and you're just you're devastated. Those are important moments to mark in our hearts and remember that feeling because we often fail 
What matters is that those moments drive us on, fuel our passion to keep working harder. We can't save Christian. We can't save his baby. We pray that God will use us, and these moments can keep us focused on what we're doing and why we're doing it. So hopefully everyone listening, this has been a reminder for you for that purpose too. People need you. There are people, parents out there who need to hear the truth and need to be need to have you out there to reach them. So please go out and do that. Please also, as you're listening, if you have not yet, please subscribe to our podcast. It helps us. If you can also get, you'll get notifications every week when there's a new episode to listen to. And please leave a review. You can just leave a five stars. You can leave a, we love reading comments too, to hear what you think about the podcast. Um, we love hearing from you. Also, you can go find us on our social media. We're at Debrief With Us on Instagram or just go to createdequal.org. But as always, thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week. We are Created Equal. And this has been The Debrief.